Love Talk Radio. songbook and turn to 281 tonight. 281 and let's sing together. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the seats and cross the waves. Onward tends our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Held to sinners far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Singing islands of the sea. Echo back the ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing his song. When the heart for mercy craves, sing in triumph for the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the wind a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and Highest hills and deepest caves, this our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Praise God, he does. Amen. Boy, life would be a mess if we had no hope in this whole world. But like Paul said, our hope's in Christ Jesus. Amen. So praise God for that. Amen. It's good to be in church with you tonight. Everything going all right? We got prayer requests. Um, I I've been busy with Diane for two days now, and uh, she got herself two jobs back, and there was no cancer. Oh, uh, praise God! Uh, so just thank you for praying. Amen. Amen. She's got her back, and have sex again. Um, so keep praying for her. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I had her heavy on my heart the other night, and I prayed for her absolutely.
Anybody? Dan, we got. Give us a report on Dan, Miss Anya. Okay. It's wonderful. Wonderful. He just has a bad time over afternoon. After after lunch and all, his his mind is tired and everything, and he still has a hard time making sentences and and remembering nothing. Right. The other morning, he's sharp as a tack.
that they'll have safety and everything. And, and I'm going to be picking him up at Sulphur Springs at the bus stop on the 4th and then I guess taking him back over there. I don't know. But anyway, it'll be him and his wife, Mary. So pray for them and pray for us. And pray. I don't know what feeds somebody from India. I never, I never had nobody. From well, I know that, but I don't know. I, listen, I don't know what he eats and what he don't eat. I don't know if I need to cook a lot of rice or what I need to do. I just don't know. I have no clue. I know they put curry and stuff. I don't have no curry. I don't know nothing about that. So I'm just saying, pray for me. I'm kind of at a loss. I hope he eats. I bet he'll eat barbecue. What you on bet? All right, we'll try to do some of that. I need to hush. I've been talking about food all the way over, and I ain't eat a, I ain't eat a thing today. So that might be working in y'all's favor. I might get done early tonight. So let's go ahead and let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask God to meet with us tonight. All right, Robert, lead us in prayer. Most recent hands, Father, the church, 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 and Lord. We'll just pray for the preacher, Lord, and all that everything. Lord, just heard all the prayer requests to everybody in the Amen. You can be seated. By the way, I'm not fasting, so I wasn't bragging on my fasting. I was going to make sure nobody thought I was doing that. I just forgot to eat. How about that? Number 91. What a day that'll be. I just didn't say. I don't know. I just didn't think about it. Amen. Number 91. What a day that'll be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain. No more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. 
Amen. Two hundred and fifty. And it will be some I'm telling you right now, we ain't never thought about nothing as glorious as that day'll be. Amen. <clears throat> I think we're all just gonna die with our mouth open. Just thankful we made it, amen, through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings. Stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Feasting on the riches of his grace. Resting neath his sheltering wing. Always looking on his smiling face. <coughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Tells my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Though sometimes he leads through water's deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Amen. Amen. 
And I pray tonight that you'll help us to apply our hearts to wisdom and our heads to knowledge, Lord. And tonight, touch us and speak to us and point us back to Jesus and everything that we see and everything that we do. And we'll give him the glory, give him the praise. For it's in him that we have these things and we know these things. And we thank you now in his name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, beginning verse 8 here, we're going to talk about a gift, amen? It says, a gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that hath it, whithersoever it turneth. Just looking at that verse right there, you probably wouldn't think anything negative in it. Because, I mean, it's human nature to, to view a present as something precious, okay? I mean, you know, somebody gets you something, gives you a present or a gift, well, you like, that's amazing, thank you so much. I appreciate you thinking of me, right? But in the context of this verse, the present may be a bribe because because the same Hebrew word for bribe is used here in this verse, okay? So we're not talking about birthday parties. We're talking about grease and palms, okay? And I'm sure every congressman in Congress and every senator and they get their hand greased with a little money, and they go, oh, that's amazing, thank you, that's wonderful, you know, just, but, you know, so this proverb may just be simply stating the fact that bribe usually works. And people, people, you know, you, you, listen, that, it, it's not hard for me to understand when somebody flashes a big wad of cash at somebody that they'll make a small compromise in their life. That's not a stretch. No more than it's a stretch for me to think that some people, if you hand them five hundred dollars in cash, they'll take care of you. And I mean, take care of somebody for you. I mean, that, that, there's people that do that kind of thing in this world, and they'll do it for little, little of nothing, because people will rob somebody and kill them for just a handful of dollars in this world. But so, so bribing somebody doesn't—it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. It happens a lot, but you know, it says whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. So whatever you're getting from this gift or this bribe, it delights this person, and 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 that accomplishes the purpose of the gift that they got this thing and it made them happy. Okay, and it doesn't have to represent a bribe in this verse. I mean, my grandson Cash, you know, you give him anything, no matter what it is, just get him something. You give him some present, man. He, you think that's the greatest thing that's ever been given to anybody? I mean, he just glows and like, thank you so much. That's awesome. I mean, he just boy, he just goes overboard. And I, and I think to myself, are you? Is that an act? But he's been doing it his whole life, so I guess it's not an act. He's genuinely grateful, expressing genuine gratitude for somebody thinking of him. And uh, it, and you know, I, I appreciate that. That makes me feel good to see him that way. I remember one year, uh, I can't remember if it was Christmas or his birthday, but we had eaten down here at the Mexican restaurant. And I put a dollar worth of quarters in that machine and got out this blue and white swirly rubber ball, one of them kind you bounce and goes like 30 feet high. And I gave it to him. I gave that to him as a gift. Oh, it was just so incredible. I thought, wow, it was a dollar. But you know what? We ought to all be appreciative of what we've been given just like that. Amen. But but the idea, you know, the idea in this uh, the second half of this verse, it says, whithersoever it turneth, it prospereth. The idea here is like uh, it's a reference to cut gemstones. You know, you take a diamond or a ruby or an emerald, and, and no matter how you turn it, uh, as Adam Clark said, whithersoever you turn them, they reflect the light, and they're brilliant and beautiful. So, again, that, that's what it's kind of referring to. So 
you know, now what that means to you tonight, I don't know. But I wouldn't accept no bribes. <laughs> I'm not certainly not recommending you accept no bribes. No, but when you get a gift, you, I, I say this: you ought to thank, you ought to be thankful, you ought to be appreciative of anything that you're given. Uh, you ought not trade that for favors, but you ought to be thankful for anything that somebody finds, uh, you know, a, a delight to give you. So, but anyway, let's keep going. Verse nine. Verse nine. We got plenty more in these other verses. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Now, when it says he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, that don't mean like he's going on a dating site trying to find a mate. Okay? That don't, don't get the words tangled up there. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. There's a time and a place to expose sin in somebody's life. But most of the time, the sins in other people's lives should be covered with tact and love, okay? Mm. We ought not go around, you know, I, I, I know people in this world, I have known people in this world who are a bunch of aha people. They can't wait to find fault in somebody else's life. They jump back and go, aha, look at you. You said you're the Christian. They just go around. It's like they're God specters, and they live, go around, and poke, and poke holes in other people. And God didn't call them to do that. God, you know, I, I've got a friend. We have a friend. And he has took it upon himself to stand outside churches sometimes with a picket sign, picketing against pastors where they've had some trouble in the church and some things have gone on in that church maybe that, that ain't acceptable, okay? And maybe the pastor should have stepped down and maybe they should have changed the leadership in that church. But it's not his job to stand out there and try to ruin the reputation of the church. And it bothers me to see people do that. Uh, you know, again, things ought to be handled the right way, Things ought, especially when it comes to God's business. Um, but, again, things should be done with tact. Things should be done with love. And But there are situations. There are situations where the opposite reaction is necessary, okay? And not always is it necessary to cover a transgression. When I say cover transgression, somebody, somebody falls down, somebody messes up, somebody makes Somebody within the family of God makes a terrible decision, and rather than beat them and kick them and flog them like a bunch of bullies, it's best, to, if you know about it, it's best not to run and tell everybody everything they did. It's best not to go blow it all over town and say, hey, they messed up, man, look what they did. Look, boy, they, boy, they ruined themselves. Oh, I can't believe what they did. That doesn't help anybody. The best thing to do would be to go to them and talk to them and counsel with them and love them and try to help them back up and try to get them back on their feet and try to, let's, let's act like that didn't happen. Let's just keep going and serve God and let's, you get right with God and we'll move on, okay? That's the best thing to do. Listen, God doesn't want to, God wants, you know, when, when we confess our sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God doesn't remember it. The Bible says in the Word of God that he, 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 he forgives our sins for his own sake, and he remembereth them no more. So if God's that kind of a forgiver and a forgetter, we ought to be that way too. If, we, if that person is willing to confess and, uh, to God and, and, and seek repentance from God and move on, then we ought to be able to do the very same thing. So <laughs> he that cover transgression, seek of love, he doesn't want to hurt somebody. He'd rather help that person. Uh, you know, 
like I said, but there are times, there are situations when the opposite is necessary. Proverbs 1.10, the Bible said, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. There are going to be times when people who, who don't love God, people who call themselves your friends, people that call themselves your neighbors, will try to get you to do things you know God don't want you doing. They'll try to draw you into some kind of sinful situation, some kind of harmful situation, because that's normal for them, and they don't think a thing about it. And in that kind of a situation, listen, there's a time to stand up and say, no, uh I don't do such as that. Listen, Ephesians 5.11 says, and have no fellowship. That means don't join them in their actions. Don't agree with them in what they're doing. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So if those are things that those are things that God wouldn't wouldn't dare have me in the middle of, then I would not have no fellowship with it. Amen. But the Bible says, but rather reprove them. That means scold them. That means turn out and say, no, I'm not going to go with you, and I'm going to tell you why I'm not going to go with you, because here's what God says about it, and you know what? If you love the Lord, you wouldn't do it either. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, you're going to burn in hell, you rotten scum. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. That's the way some people act, but that's not what I'm saying. Scolding somebody is telling them, look, God said don't do that, and that's why I don't do it, because I love him and I respect him, and if you loved him and respected him, you wouldn't fool with it. So the thought here is the opposite of fellowship. You know, they've encouraged you to join them, and, and rather than joining them, you give them a piece of your mind as to why they're doing wrong and shouldn't be joined. But it's not our business to go around daily exposing the sins of other people. The exposure of everything, hey, that belongs to God. That's not our job. God is capable of taking care of that. If this is if it's an erring brother, somebody that's saved, that, that's fell down, again, bearing somebody a ruined testimony is a whole lot better than the destruction of that testimony. If that can be repaired, it ought to be repaired instead of just bulldozed, you know, all this that we're talking about right here ought to be viewed with a move toward repentance and restoration. That always ought to be in any situation. You know, somebody comes to that back door and they look like they've been telling back. And they sit down, they got they got fifty nose rings and eyebrow rings and, 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 and lip rings and ear gauges and, and half the face tattooed and shaved on one side and, 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 you know, and whatever. I mean, look, I don't care if the tongue split down the middle. If they come and they want God, I ain't got no problem with how they're looking at the moment. I want them to know the Lord Jesus. I don't care what you did. As long as you come now and you humbly submit yourself to the Lord and you walk with him going forward, hey, it don't make a difference what you did. I don't want nobody picking around trying to find out what all I've done. Ain't none of your business. I can tell you this, way back yonder, I had a past I ain't proud of. But I ain't only there anymore. My my address is different. I don't go there anymore. I don't live, I don't do those things anymore. I don't visit those places anymore. I don't hang with those people anymore. There's a difference in me. Christ has made a change in me. I didn't do it. Christ did it. Amen? And, and you know what? If I fall down, don't don't try to run me off. Don't try to run me down. Help me back up. Stick your hand out. Amen. If you fall down, I'll stick my hand out and help you. That's what we work. That's how we work together is the body. Amen. If I twist my ankle, my foot, my hand don't sit there and beat my ankle because it's broke or twisted. I don't sit there and pound it with a tire. Why don't you mess up on me? Look, no, that wouldn't make no sense, would it? <laughs> no, I want to heal it so I can function. 
Hallelujah. It makes sense when you think about it. All right. The Bible said he, the second half of this verse is he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Again, if you go around telling everything that somebody else did, telling their sin, telling their faults all over town, telling it to everybody you know, you're going to ruin relationships, and you're going to divide friends. You can tear up something like that. It repeateth. It means he, 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 you're telling tales. As my mama would say, you're harping on it. You can't quit. Y'all ever heard that, somebody harping on something? <laughs> that's what she'd say. you just harping on that. That means that's all. You, you got one note, and you keep hitting that note. You need to hush if, you, if you're a gossip. You need to stop that. God ain't for gossip. All right? Verse 10. A fool entereth more. I'm sorry, a fool. When I get that up, word right under it. A reproof, a reproof, let's read back that up. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. That's where the fool part was. A reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Now, again, what's a reproof? That's that's a, that's getting scolded. That's getting chewed out. That's getting straightened out on something. I don't know. Is there anybody here that likes that? I don't like it. My flesh, you know what my flesh does when somebody does that? My flesh screams in the background, who do you think you are? That's what my, but my flesh don't like it, and your flesh don't like it. None of us like somebody telling us off. It's just a natural thing. But again, this ain't about natural, it's about supernatural. We're not talking about the supernatural. We're talking about the spirit realm. We're not talking about the fleshly realm. So a reproof, a, a, a correction like that, entereth more into a wise man. Now, why is that? Because a wise man or a wise woman is teachable. Amen? You may not be much in this life. You may not be much in this world. But if you are teachable, you have hope. If you're teachable, you can change. If you're teachable, you can be fixed. You have to be teachable. And a man or a woman is teachable will respond to rebuke and learn from it, not just get mad. And say, oh, I can't believe they treated me that way. Boy, I'm so mad I could spit. Boy, they're going to they're gonna pay. They never have succeeded, not a one of them. Not a one of them. People that blow up and scream and holler every time some little something goes wrong, they're just always in a perpetual state of screaming and hollering, and they never seem to get anywhere. <laughs> but the wise person, like I said, will respond to it, and learn from it, and, and and it can be truly an effective tool for them to be chewed out over something. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Maybe, I, maybe I've done this and probably have. I've said everything I know, but I'll say it again. Maybe it'll help you tonight. One of my former pastors, Dr. Bob Gray, if you remember this, then you'll go, oh, okay, this makes sense. But Dr. Bob Gray, he, he used to have this guy who was a member of their church, and every year – He'd make an appointment. He'd come in and sit in his office, and he'd have a list of about 100 things that he did not like about him, that he felt like he needed to change. And he'd sit and read to the pastor this list of about 100 different things that he was doing wrong and he needed to change. And his secretary, every time this guy would show up, she'd roll her eyes and go, oh, my goodness. And she went in, she'd say, 
you, she went into him one time and she said, Dr. Gray, you do not have to put up with this. This guy is, he's, he's a nut. You don't have to listen to him. He's just full of hot air. And he told her this. He said, I know that. She said, well, then why do you tolerate it? He said, because 99 of those things, I think exactly what you're thinking. But one of those things, God will take and pierce me right through my heart with. And I'll tolerate the 99 so that he gets me on that one. There's some wisdom there. It's abuse, (laughs) but there's some wisdom there. But he's letting, what he's saying is I'm not too proud to be corrected. And, and that's the way we all need to be. We all need to be teachable. We all need to be to the point where, listen, if somebody's screaming and hollering in our face, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not in the totally in the wrong, but there may be something we're hearing there that we can take and say, hmm, if I applied that, maybe it wouldn't be this, this way again. So it's always wise to take a reproof, even if you don't like it. And the second half of that verse said that that's, that 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 happens more than a hundred stripes into a fool. That's a lot of whoopings. That's a lot of that's a lot of licks. Amen. A hundred of them. You can what? I'm mean, listen. The, the Hebrews knew you could you can only hit somebody about thirty nine times, and then they, they they end up dying after that. So they or the Romans did. I should say. I don't think it was the Hebrews or the Romans, but thirty nine stripes. Again, that's what that's what they gave Jesus. And Paul got that three different times. I think he said. But but anyway, a hundred stripes into a fool. You can whoop a fool hard and repeatedly, and yet they'll just stiffen their necks. They'll just get madder. They just say, all you want to do is abuse me. That's all you want to do. You just you're just mean and you just want to hurt me. You're not trying to teach me nothing. See, I went to school, evidently I went to school with a number of fools. I I, I, I can you know, I have 30-something years of uh, room to look back with 2020 vision on. And I can tell you that I went to school with a lot of fools because there's a bunch of them left remains out in the cemeteries around Lamar County because they made horrible choices with their life. I, I can think of two of them right off the top of my head who, who did some extremely stupid things, and it cost them. Um, and, you know, they were the ones who couldn't nobody tell them, couldn't nobody get through to them. Again, it was always somebody else's fault. It was always somebody trying to come down on them, uh, just trying to trying to be hard on them, trying to push them around, trying to boss them around. Well, nobody going to tell them what to do. Well, that's that's usually a dead end road. You can tell them, you can tell a fool, and tell a fool, and tell a fool, and they'll look you right now and nod their head. But they don't hear a word you say. You can whoop them and whoop them and whoop them, and they just get tougher and tougher and tougher. The problem's not the correction. The problem's the fool. And, you know, the better a person's disposition is, the better a person acts, the less you need to correct them. So, you know, thank God for those who will hear. Thank God for those who have an ear to hear. Jesus said that. You remember he said that quite a bit. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You know why? Because a lot of them stand around looking at him and hear the noise, but they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't find a place to let it rest in their, in their heart and their mind. And that's the way a fool is. You can talk to him all day long. And what we say, it goes in one ear and out the other. It don't land. It don't rest. It doesn't take what he gets and, and apply it. Verse 11, An evil man seeketh only rebellion, 
Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. An evil man seeketh only rebellion. A wise man's instinctive response is to comply with what's good and right. Well, it's good. It's right. I should do that. I mean, that only makes sense. That's what a wise man says. A wise man says, it's not good for me. It's not wise for me to rebel against authority. That doesn't work out well. That ends up with punishment and penalties and and, and things like that. So, you know, the best thing to do is to do right. But the instinctive response to rebel, that belongs to evil. That doesn't belong to the wise. The evil man, he rebels against the good. But, you know, even though he hates the good and he doesn't want to do it, and he rebels against it, he ain't got anything to replace it with. All he can do is rebel. All he can replace it with is more evil and more rebellion because he has nothing good to offer. He only, I mean, that's what it says. He only seeks rebellion. The Bible says, therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Listen, anybody listening to me tonight who's living in sin out there, I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're living in sin, you're living a life of wickedness, and however you found this preacher on this video, you better listen to me. I'm going to tell you right now, God ain't going to tolerate it for very much longer. You better turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. The Bible said, therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. A cruel messenger. Continuous rebellion invites some cruel retaliation. And an evil man shouldn't be surprised when it comes. You keep going, eventually it's going to catch up to you. Alan Ross said this this expression could refer to a merciless messenger that the king would send. In other words, when he finds you, it's off with your head. There ain't going to be no excuses. There ain't going to be no, wait a minute, it's going to be off with your head. A merciless messenger. Uh, he said, but it could also, it could also be storms, pestilence, or any other misfortune that was God's message, messenger of retribution. When God gets ready to punish somebody, God will send all kinds of things. When God, when God wants to bring, allow troubles into your life to get your attention, uh, to chastise a believer, to, to bring vengeance upon an unbeliever who's returned and rebelled against God, however, God has all kinds of ways to do it. And the Bible says that that person that's in rebellion, a cruel messenger, be sent. Verse 12. This is an interesting one. Let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. I want you all to imagine just for a second in your mind that you have stumbled on a walking trail upon a mother grizzly bear that has just had her cubs taken away from her. You've been, you've been, evidently, you've been exposed to grizzly bears. I ain't never been around a grizzly. I have been around a black one. I've never been around a grizzly. But I can tell you this from what I have seen on the Nature Channel and whatnot, National Geographic, I don't want to fool with one. Okay? And so you got this picture in your mind of this bear who's angry because all of her cubs all of a sudden are gone. She went back to the den. Somebody's taking her cubs. Somebody, I can just see some idiots walking through the woods and going, oh, look at cute little bears. Let's take them with us. And they're just talking these little bears that are crawling around on them, and all of a sudden here comes Mama. When Mama finds them, what's going to happen? She's going to make spaghetti out of them. Yeah. Yeah, spaghetti and SpaghettiOs. She's going to swing them all over the woods. You know, I mean, nobody in their right mind wants to meet a grizzly bear to begin with. I mean, the one that wanted just 
one that had a good nap and had a good drink and had a good meal, we still don't want to meet grizzly bears. But one, nobody who wants to meet a mama bear that had her cubs stolen. I mean, that's just, that just goes without saying. She's going to annihilate you. She's going to ruin your days. She's going to ruin your life if you survive. She's going to ruin your day. She's going to ruin your month. The Bible says that rather than meet a fool in his folly, you'd rather meet a bear in that shape. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But God, that's a, God's very serious about that. The foolish man in the midst of, of his foolish actions can be more dangerous than a mother bear who lost her cubs. A wise man or a wise woman will stay away from a fool. They, they, you know, let me, let me explain to some people I'm talking about. There's plenty of getaway drivers in prison. People that thought they were, thought, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not involved. I'm just, I'm just hanging around with them. But you know what? They, I, I didn't know we was going to rob a bank. I was just there, and they said go, and I went. I wasn't involved. But no, you met a fool in his folly. Is what happened to you? Uh, you know, there's plenty. There's plenty of people who who just let who just give somebody a place for a couple of days to lay low. But yeah, end up, they end up an accessory to murder and all kinds of things. You know, somebody or maybe even around here, somebody somebody let somebody on the back of their property and they built a steel, and then you got caught with a steel on your property. I know that happens in Red River County. I know I've heard, <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, or maybe they just let you just let somebody borrow the, let somebody borrow your car, and then they got drunk and got in a hit and run drunk driving accident, and you're liable because on your insurance. You know, again, don't meet a fool in his folly. If you think that person's a fool, don't touch him with a ten foot pole. Get away because they're going to end up hurting you in the long run. <coughs> Alan Ross said the human who's supposed to be intelligent and rational in such folly becomes more dangerous than the beast that in this case acts with good reason. Yeah, the bear's got a good reason. Somebody took my cubs. I've been hurt somebody. The fool ain't got no reason. He's just a fool. Amen? All right, verse 13. Whoso rewardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. Now, it's obviously wrong to do evil to somebody who deserves to have good done to them. That makes sense. Just think back a little over, about 80 years ago. Hitler's soldiers, they practiced evil on a new level against the Jews. They, they took people who were living happy lives, and, and within just a short period of time, they were facing ovens. They were facing firing squads and all kinds of things, and not just the Jews, but the handicapped as well, those who wasn't able to take care of themselves, those who were mentally retarded. They, they couldn't destroy them just as well. And you know what? Those kinds of things are happening in America. They, you know, not like the, not like the, the Nazis did, but, but we're, we're killing our babies before they're born. People are being neglected. People are being People are being medically assassinated in this country. There's all kinds of things like that going on. And you know, and you got you got again you got you got street preachers that are getting arrested for preaching the gospel in a normal tone of voice on street corners in America while sodomites parade parade freely up and down the streets, half naked, sometimes naked, right in front of children with police watching and they don't do a thing. Yeah, they'll arrest that preacher for disturbing the peace for simply quoting God's word. Christians are vilified while political correctness and wokeness govern, governs modern thought in society. Scourges 
those who do good and encourages those who do evil. It upsets God's moral order to have good punished. God can't stand it when somebody punishes good. Listen, think about this. To render good for evil, when somebody does you evil, to turn around and do good back to them, that's Christ-like, right? They, they, Jesus, said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's Christ-like to be good to somebody who's doing evil to you. To render good for good, somebody does good to you and you render good back to them, that's just human. That's the way we, we are as people. You're good to me, I'm good to you. To render evil for evil. Well, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, sucker. That's savage. Okay? To render evil for good. Somebody's good to you and you do something evil to them, that's devilish. And there you go. That's who's behind it all. And when you look around and you see people in this world, especially those in high places who are passing laws and enacting things in order to bring evil upon those who do good, you want to know who's behind them all? There you go. You see who's behind the liberal, the woke, the progressive, the Democratic Party for the most part today, and half of the Republican Party. The devil's behind them all. You can see it clearly by their actions, by their fruits. You shall know them. Well, the Bible says clearly... In the other half of that verse, evil shall not depart out of his house. So guess what? Guess what, Mr. Senator? Guess what, Mr. Congressman? Guess what, corrupt judge? Guess what, crooked police officer? Listen, guess what? The Bible says that evil's coming to your house and it ain't going to leave. And if somebody out there listening to me, you better take heed what I'm saying because God's dead serious about it. God sees when his moral order is offended and he will respond. He will respond to it. And, and today, evil is done in the name of good. I mean, the people the people who are doing these things, like I said, a lot of them are people in power, people with authority. I mean, you talk about the uh, that movie that's going on right now, that Sound of Freedom movie. I don't know everybody in here has heard about that, surely, that movie that was produced. You ain't heard about it? Well, it's, it's been one produced about the sex slave trade in this country. And, it, and, and, and I'm, I'm, while I'm not in full support of these people that put it out, I'm thankful, and I, I mean, I'm not agreement with them doctrinally. There's most, I mean, there's a, there's Mormons and Catholics involved in it, and I and I can't get behind them doctrinally on what they believe at all. But one thing we can agree on is rescuing children from being sex sex traffic. I'll get, I'll get, hey, listen, I'll get in there and protest right alongside a Catholic or a Mormon or anybody else who wants to stand against the sexual trafficking of children. Amen. And that's evil done to good people. How are you going to get any more innocent than children? How do you think God feels about that? And people in this, why do you think our borders still wide? I'm going to preach a minute on this, all right? Why do you think our borders still left open? Because they got a flood of children coming in there constantly that they're sex trafficking, that they take their organs and they sell their organs, that they take their blood and they, they torture them and get this adrenochrome drug that, they, that, that gives them a feeling of long life and, and, and things. There's horrible, atrocious things done by people in power. Doing evil to those who don't deserve it. And I got to thinking about this verse, Second Corinthians four, three through four. Paul said, If our gospel be hid, and our gospel is hidden today, it's hid to them that are lost. They're lost. You know that word we use that word lost. Why? Because well, God used it. Paul used it. Why? Because they don't know where to go. 
They're wandering around in this world, and they don't have any idea that there's any hope for them. They don't understand that there's any salvation out there. You say, that, oh, they've heard it, surely they've heard it. Well, listen, I've heard a lot of things I didn't pay attention to. I've heard a lot of things I didn't believe over the years. And listen, it takes somebody who has love, the love of Christ in them to show them and demonstrate that Christ is real, that somebody truly can love somebody else enough to get down on their level and share with them, listen, it doesn't matter what you've been through, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life right now, all that matters is, is that you know that God sent his only begotten son and he died, was buried, and rose again, paid the debt for your sins, and if you'll believe on him, he'll wash your sins away and set you free from all the devil that have controlled your life up to this point and give you victory. It's hid. It's hid because Christians are frozen at the mouth like an Arctic river and can't tell anybody what's, what's happened in their own heart. And the Bible said, in whom the God of this world, that's the devil, the little G God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's what's keeping them back. They believe not. Their minds are blinded to believe it. The Bible says, lest the light of the glorious gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. There's a whole world full of young people coming up who are, who are atheists, who are agnostic, who don't believe. It's because all they've seen around them is a bunch of half-in, half-out, mediocre, modern-day Christians who don't do much of anything, so they're like, there's nothing to that. That ain't real. We've never seen any power there. That's a lot of them. Because churches are having power failures everywhere. I could get mad and preach for a half hour on this, but I'm not going <clears> to. <throat> but I can tell you this about our world today. God doesn't approve of social justice warriors. Y'all know what that is? That's the, that's the people who, that's the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa and all that crowd who are going to stand up and do something about all the problems in the world. He doesn't care, he doesn't care for those people who, who, take it, who, take, who take vengeance in their own hands and decide they're going to take justice upon their own selves and they're going to do it. God's not in favor of that. God, God says, hey, God says, I'll repay. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay. And, and the one who gives evil to the good, they can expect their own home to be troubled by evil from then on. Adam Clark said this. He said, as many persons are guilty of the sin of ingratitude and of repaying kindness with unkindness and good with evil, it is no wonder we find so much wretchedness among men. For God's word cannot fail. Evil shall not depart from the houses and families of such persons. Now let me follow up on this. We're almost done. Let me follow up on this, this, the last part of this one. Because this proverb had to cut to the bone with Solomon. Had to. Because listen to what the last half says. Evil shall not depart from his house. Both both of Solomon's parents paid that price. His daddy, David, and his mama Bathsheba over their sin. Second Samuel twelve uh, twelve ten says, Now therefore the sword this is what Nathan said, the, the prophet said, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Because David took that man, I mean, one of his mighty men. You know he was close to his mighty men. They were friends of his. And he took her while his friends on the battlefield down there fighting for his, for his king and for the honor of his nation. 
and he takes his wife right from the rooftop where she's taking a bath out of the sight of everybody but the king who's up on the top of the biggest building who can look down upon her, and he says, hey, that's a good-looking woman. Go get her and bring her to me. And he just took and had his way with her. And because of that, and then had her had her husband killed because he got her pregnant and tried to cover his sin. Because of it, God said. Do you remember the story? I told you the story a couple times, a couple messages ago, about Nathan the prophet saying to him about the man who had the who had the one little lamb that he loved, the little ewe lamb, and how he loved her and took care of her and fed her from his table and she drank from his cup and ate from his plate and all that. And then, the, and then the other rich man had a whole pasture full of sheep and he had a visitor come in and instead of taking one of his own, he went down to that little man's house and he took his little ewe lamb and he slaughtered it. And he fed it to that man. And David, being a shepherd, his blood began to boil. And he said, that man will pay four souls. for the man. What happened? Well, you have his son Absalom who rebelled against him. And Absalom ended up getting stabbed by Joab hanging in the bows of an oak tree by his hair. Then you had his son Adonijah who was killed because he tried to take something that didn't belong to him when David was dying. And then you had his son Amnon who fell a-lusting after his half-sister Tamar and was tricked into raping her by his friend, Ahithophel. And he was invited to come to a big get-together down the pasture with all his brothers when they found out what he'd done. And they got him drunk, and they all jumped on him and stabbed him and killed him. So there's three of his sons that died. Now, where's the other one? That's the baby that died. And his daughter was raped in the process. You tell me he didn't pay? He was shamed. All his concubines, his son Absalom, lay with all his concubines out inside of all of Israel. Shame came upon him, trouble. He never got out from under that trouble after that happened. Again, you do evil to somebody who's innocent, somebody that's good, God's going to make sure you get taken care of. He said, but, but David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, but he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, as we preached not too long ago, and you can mark that down. Verse 14, and we're done. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Now, I used to preach this a little different than I preached it tonight. Because I, I've gotten a better understanding of it. But when it says the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. My wife illustrated this point with me tonight. I was getting ready to go to church, and she, I was standing over by the faucet. She turned on the faucet and went like this underneath the water, and I'm standing there with the sun shining on me. And I mean, the shower of water went spraying all over me. She didn't see it. I said, what are you doing? She said, what's the matter with you? I said, you're spraying me down. She said, no, you didn't get all that nothing on you. I seen it. It went everywhere. <laughs> because what I'm trying to say, liquid is hard to control. You can't corral liquid. Liquid has a mind of its own. When you turn it loose, it's going to go wherever it wants to go, right? You can't say, oh, I, oh, I spilled that. Let me catch it. It's going to go everywhere. Unless you've got some paper towels handy, you ain't going to catch it. Liquid is hard to restrain. Once it gets released, it'll go in unexpected, unexpected places and in uncontrolled ways. And I have that problem every time I wash dishes. 
I wound up coated in water. I can't control everywhere it goes. It just, I, you might as well, I might as well, I might as well go find another shirt to put on if I'm going to wash dishes because I'm going to soak the one I'm wearing. I'm the messiest dishwasher you ever seen. Thank goodness I'm using soap and water. It'd be all over. But, you know, again, you can't control it. It goes everywhere. And that's like the way strife is. That's what the Bible's telling us. Once the argument gets started, once a fight's begun, it's hard to know which way it's going to go. You can't tell once you start it. It's like uncontrolled water. And uncontrolled water, as you know, can control great da- can cause great damage. Listen, just bust a pipe while you're gone and come home and find it and see what happens. It can cause all kinds of damage. I mean, quick, in a hurry. In this verse, it's comparing the beginning of a bitter conflict involving pent-up arrogance. I mean, somebody carrying a chip on their shoulder and the anger of a fool, comparing that to a person maybe who takes a shovel and digs a hole in a dam. It just starts off with a trickle. I mean, just a little trickle coming out of there. Pretty soon that small trickle turns into a raging, uncontrolled calamity that gets out of hand and can do irreparable damage. You didn't mean for it to, but you ended up letting it out. And there it went. It reminds me of the statement. Sin will take you much farther than you meant to go. It'll cost you far more than you meant to pay. And it'll keep you way far longer than you meant to stay. The Bible says, therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. Strife and contention are difficult to control and they cause great damage. And wisdom tells us that it's much better to stop it before it ever gets started. I was reading somewhere about over in the Netherlands. You know, they, they're Amsterdam. All of those cities are over there on the, on the edge of the water. I mean, they've got, they got like channels all through them. And they got a bank out there protecting them from the, from the Pacific Ocean because if it were not for their banks, they, they, they'd be underwater. So, when they, I mean, they maintain their banks constantly. They, they, you know, they, they're constantly looking and making sure that everything's okay with their banks because if it ever gets a little bit out of control in a hurry, they've got a disastrous situation on their hands. I don't know if you've ever seen video of somebody where there's like a river uh, next to the, to, the, to the shore and somebody will take and, and dig a channel between the two. It don't take long, man. That thing gets to cutting and it becomes a roaring river in a hurry. Water has a I mean... All we have to do is think about this. Think about out west. Think about Utah and Idaho. I mean, all, all that, all that, what we call natural, um, what do they call it? Um, trying to think of the names of them places, but out there, huh? Well, the Grand Canyon is one, but I'm thinking up. I'm thinking up, and it goes all the way up into, uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, Utah and all that. There used to be a giant lake in the middle of America. And then when the flood happened, Noah's day, when that thing emptied out, so did that lake. And it ended up cutting out the Grand Canyon and all that stuff in Utah, and it happened in a matter of days. It didn't happen It didn't happen in millions and millions of years because when water gets to going again, there ain't no stopping it. It's going to do what it wants to do. And that's, that's the reason why we ought to all, again, you see, a, you see a, a conversation turning into an argument, it's best to walk away. It's best to say, hey, I don't want to fight about this. Let's, let's, just, let's just agree to disagree. It's always best to put an end to it. The Bible I mean, Jesus said, listen, blessed are the peacemakers. So we're to be seeking peace always. Amen. Let's stand together.
all right. Any word, anything from anybody before we go home tonight? Remember this Sunday will be will be two sar two services on Sunday, and then the following Sunday we'll have our fellowship meal. All right, y'all be praying for Dan. He's gonna be coming home on the uh, on Tuesday first. Be praying for Anya. She's gonna have her hands full. All right, let's pray for one another. Pray for pray for folks that 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 hadn't been making it every service. Pray for them to be here Sunday. Pray for God to to help people get past obstacles. You know, we we can we can get there. It just takes little by little. Folks saying I'm gonna be there on Sunday. I'll be there on Wednesday night. I'll be there Sunday night. We'll get there. We just gotta keep going. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us and meet with us. I mean, uh, bless us, take us our homes.